Welcome back to another edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. We're here at Big Ben Pub in Elizabeth. The day after Charlotte FC's 2-1 loss on the road in its first derby. Danny Brams, what's going on? John, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? What are you drinking? Good question. That's important. I think everyone deserves a beer after that 96th minute heartbreaker yeah. at the end of Sunday's match. Maybe 97th. Who knows? 98th, <laughs> yeah. 99th. Yeah. Yeah, we're here uh, at, at uh, Big Ben in Elizabeth and uh, having a lot of memories running through our heads of this great trip that we just went on. I'm drinking a Sweetwater Hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, you, uh, you asked me what I was yeah, drinking. Yeah, that's, that's, like, right. that's, yeah. that's where I'm at today, <laughs> for the record. It's like, I'm drinking hazy because I'm hazy, for sure. I'm drinking the Queen's Crusher. It's back. It's making another appearance on the show. Wicked Weed up in Asheville. Uh, it's a great beer, uh, and it's $5 this week, not 6 They fixed the pricing in the computer. That's good. So we recommend... Uh, coming up here and grabbing one even more so than we did last time we were at Big Ben's. So let me fill everybody in what's going to transpire on the show today. We went to the game. We were at the match. We had an amazing time. We're going to tell you about our trip. Finally scored a goal. We can celebrate that. Yep. We can say the goal is is in the back of the net and it's Adam Armour. Real Salt Lake can stop talking trash on Twitter because we at least are off the schneid. So yeah. And like you said, Adam Armour, one of our own. Uh, you're professed potentially your favorite player on the team maybe maybe team dad is your favorite but you have always been a huge adam armor guy he was the one to deliver the goal that we've been waiting for for three games and three years it was amazing i, I can't wait to get more into that for sure yeah we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about ben bender as well the mind bender ben uh, bender because he he, he bent, bent my mind yesterday with his fantastic play we said uh we said that christian fuchs was was 10 out of 10 at home against la galaxy Ben Bender was 10 out of 10 on the road against Atlanta United, which is a crazy thing to say out loud, considering you heard me on the show last week. Uh, you said that Ben Bender might get the start. You said that he's somebody that could come in and, and make a contribution to the game in a way that maybe a TT Ortiz couldn't. And I pushed back on that a little bit, and boy, was I wrong. I was down on Fuchs after a little while, and I was proven wrong on the field. You got the same, similar experience this week with Ben Bender, and... He was a revelation. I think in our notes for the show uh, before we put in that Ben Bender was a revelation. He opened some eyes. He opened your eyes. Even I, you know, thanks for giving me credit for suggesting he might start. Even I didn't think he was going to do what he did out there. It was a brilliant performance. He had the assist on the corner kick. He started out wide, and then when Ortiz subbed off, he drifted back central and became the center attacking mid. Versatility is amazing. Skills amazing. Just needs to just needs more experience at this point. He needs to keep doing what he's doing. Should we call him the mind bender, or should we just go with like bend it like Bender? No, see, I call him Ben Bender, like just one word, like because that it's like it just flows off my tongue. Like I could never call him just Bender. I could never call him just Ben. He's just he's Ben Bender, like to me. But I do like the mind bender also. So we'll see, we'll see. I'm, I'm okay. going to be organic about it and see what develops. What hit it, hit us up on social. Yeah. What is Ben Bender's nickname? Uh, I'm John Hayes on air. You can find me there on Twitter at Danny Brams as well. You can find him. Uh, we're going to talk about Christian Kalina. Uh, the goalkeeper in net for Charlotte FC. Insane, insane performance. Kept the team in it from minute one all the way into the very end. And by the way, that final shot that got deflected off of Christian McCoon into the back of his net, he had no shot. He, he, it, well, he would have been all over if it hadn't been deflected. Yeah, right. obviously. It was, my, it was pretty much right at him. It was a pretty lame shot to win a game. So that's my point, though, is that 
the only reason why that went in the back of the net as a game-winning goal is because it took that deflection and Christian Kalina was in position to collect that ball and see it out. I've seen some takes maybe rub me the wrong way I disagree with, and that is that Charlotte FC was aggressive at the end of the match and went for three points instead of just settling for a draw. And I could see why someone would say that, but... We have to be very, very, very careful to make sure that we give credit to the ball that we witnessed from the left side of the pitch pitch, all the way down into the right wing. That was, we always say, I I love to rate things 10 out of 10. (laughs) Right. You you give out the 10s. I'll give out a 10 out of 10. That ball was worth a 10. Yeah, I know it was. And we had a great angle on it. We, well, yeah, we should get into that a little bit about just how fortunate we were, uh, to go down and discover, you kind of had an inkling of this because you bought the tickets online. And when we got there to the stadium, we walked, you know, we waited in, we walked in pretty early, earlier than you've ever been in a stadium for any sporting event, you said. We, we were there to sort of pre-party in the stadium because we knew, you were smart about this, you knew that our tickets had the little C on them. They were section 303, row 15, but they had that little C there. And that little C made all the difference, didn't it? It, it did. We, we had a fantastic club experience. Um, and remember, when you think about tickets, it's not like we're, we're driving down to Atlanta and spending $1,000 on these tickets. You know, as someone who's followed the NFL for a long time, who understands how that organization works when it comes to ticket sales, uh, to be able to drive down to Atlanta and get a $120 ticket and get field access right. is somewhat unbelievable to me. Uh, so when, we, when you hear us talking about the match today, you're going to hear from our perspective, which was basically 10 yards further down the sideline than Charlotte FC's bench. Right. Field level, we were seeing it all. You know, Fuchs was playing left back. We saw a ton of Fuchs running up and down in right the first in front half. of us in the first half. And then on the other side, we saw the Charlotte attacking down the right wing. Right, in right. it was Harrison Awful mm-hmm. on that side as well who came in. So we saw a little bit of him who um, saw his first action in the MLS for Charlotte FC. So that was interesting to see. We're going to talk about the substitutions. We're going to get into all that. But the time there was just incredible. And it was one of those experiences that we had where, you know, I think you made the note that you said it felt like we, we were VIPs. Right. And that's, I think, fair. But it just felt like we had access to the match in a way that gives us the opportunity now to provide some really cool perspective about this team both on the field and off the field. Right, because we saw them warming up. We saw them come out. We saw all the goalkeepers warming up, and then the players came out, and we saw Adam Armour come out with Fuchs and with a few other guys that we knew were starting. We thought, oh, maybe maybe Armour will start. You know, who knows? But it was that's an interesting sort of foreshadowing of how locked in he was and ready to come out and shine today, even though it, it ended up being in a sub role, is that he was one of the first dudes out on the pitch with the leaders of the team, trying to learn from them, absorb them, take in the stadium and the, the atmosphere. That was really cool to see. When the game started, it was great. You know, we like I mentioned, we got to see Fuchs up close. He was awesome. He was working his ass off. It was great to see. And then, as you alluded to, uh, we had the perfect angle, unfortunately, for that just beautiful soaring, curling ball uh, from Marcelino Moreno down, you know, cross field, upfield to Mulraney that led to the game-winning goal. I mean, it sucks that we lost on a deflection. The goal should not have been scored because I don't think the shot necessarily deserved it, but, ooh, that pass deserved something because it was so weak. I told you that we lost on a world-class strike. 
against LA Galaxy, we lost on a world-class through ball. Right. From Moreno in that situation, just over everybody's head, curling, and it died like a like a uh, like a bocce ball. You know, it just kind of like two bounces and died in this little space that Moreno ran into. It was quite impressive and unfortunate. And when that ball went up, I, I, I my heart sank. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I I didn't think it was going to come off a deflection. Again, I'll keep mentioning that, but I knew we were in trouble as soon as that ball left his foot. I wanted to read a quote from Miguel Angel about Adam Armour after the match. If you hadn't had a chance to go read some of the transcript from his press conference, I think you should if you're invested and interested in this club because what it does is it gives you perspective on how he thinks, what type of decisions he makes and why. So I'll read you this and it says, quote, on Adam Armour, quote, I put him as an example in front of the players like this guy was out of the roster, was out of the game, and he came the first day of the week with his best energy, trying to push and make my decision difficult, end quote. What does that mean? It means that Adam Armour, who we've been talking about from the very beginning on this show, if you go back to our first episode after watching Charlotte FC's open practice, you'll hear us discuss how excited we were about the possibility of Armour being an impact player on this team at some point this season. Little did we know it was going to be in the third match. So what the, the qu- first ever goal for the club. I mean, exactly. Absolutely amazing. I almost feel like we we're underselling it because we talked about a bunch of stuff and I, it just dawned on me. We haven't really even, we mentioned it, but we didn't just celebrate. What a freaking goal this was from Bender to Armour on the corner kick. It was. And that's why I want to say bend it like Bender because, I mean, like, <laughs> I get you know, okay, like, I get the it. corner yeah. kick is, is great. Yeah. And it's, it's perfectly, it's perfect service into the box. And there was also a quote after the game where typically, Adam Armour is someone that is outside of the box in a safe defensive role on a corner kick. And before he was subbed on at halftime, one of the assistant coaches told him, hey, on corner kicks, go to the penalty spot and make runs to the the near post, which was as simple as saying, we need to score a goal. Mm -hmm. No bullshit defense on corners. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Overload the, the box and go for the goal and that's what he did it was a phenomenal phenomenal goal with his head one other thing i wanted to point about point out about adam armor that we've discussed is what position did he play when he came onto the pitch he played a position that you had hinted at he could play and it seems like i don't know if miguel on listening to us i doubt it but you're at least of like minds because you kind of predicted it or prophesied it and it came to pass yeah it's adam armor plays fullback but when you watch him, his desire to get forward, his knack for the ball in the box, you can tell that playing in front of the left back, playing as a winger, playing as someone who can go byline to byline, I think he's better suited for that. Yeah, it, it wasn't. He had a shot on goal that was dangerous, even you know, a few, ten minutes before he scored. So it's just listen. We're, we're reaching the point where this team needs a point and it needs one badly. We and thought we had it. We thought we had it. And Still mad about the penalty. Still, I think it was another soft penalty we gave up. I will say that. I think it's unfortunate. Christian McCoon may have played himself out of the lineup with Anton Walks coming back and McCoon just kind of being a, a, an easy scapegoat for some of the bad things that happened against Atlanta, unfortunately. 
I, I didn't like the penalty. Uh, it was that was something we did not have a good view of. That was all the way on the opposite side of the field from us. Maybe he have you seen the, the replay yet? I've, it's been too painful for me to watch. The replay. I watched it. All right, tell and me. Then you educate me. Yeah. I, the thing that I'm disappointed about is how the referee didn't go over to the monitor and take a look for it, uh, look look at it for himself. It was decided by the VAR referee to to. It did seem like the ref was behind the play when we were watching it live, so it would have warranted another look, I felt. But there was an extended arm right on the edge of the box. And is it a soft penalty? Yes. When you look at that extended arm, did the Atlanta United player sell it? Yes. Brooks Lennon. Yeah, yeah. But there's a part of the game where when you... Fool a referee into making a decision like that, it's a good play. Like, the arm was extended. He was running full speed, so he went over. Yeah. I mean, and I certainly would have taken it if, it if it was on our side, for sure. So he won his team a PK. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to knock him for that. Sure. Uh, what, what I'll knock um, – who I'll knock is, is the referee for, for not going to take a second look. And I don't know why he just didn't go over and take a look. The ref can always go take a look if they want to, so he should have. You're right. But uh, we also got to fault McCoon a little bit. I, I just think he had a bad bad game, and he's someone who I really want to see in the team. I like having a young, talented center back like that. I think Miguel Angel believes in him. But with coming off that game with walks, working his way back in training, I just think McCoon's not going to be starting the next game. We'll see. We'll, we have plenty of time to talk about that later. But all in all, another amazing experience. We said last week that we weren't going to – just settle for another amazing experience that we wanted points, but it can't be. It has to be said that it was awesome to be down on the field in what felt like a little bit of a private sweet box at field level. The Atlanta fans were, for the most part, pretty cool. There was a few kind of loser Atlanta fans. I think that, the word know, that I would uh, use is maybe the potential word that would also work when it comes to the TIFO that was unveiled before the match. It just felt like a little bit condescending. Right. In some situations where they made us feel like they were better than us because they had been in the league, have won four trophies, two of which are just like bullshit. Right. The Eastern Conference Championship trophies. Trophy. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, you paying it on the room, of course, but you don't necessarily like. If you won the Eastern Conference Championship and didn't win the MLS Cup after, would you really be proud of your Eastern Conference trophy? Probably not. So. Yeah, that's just like American sports culture, right? There's. The only reason why they're bragging about that trophy is because the AFC and the NFC trophy is something right. that is celebrated. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. it's a thing in American sports, and it's like quite frankly impressive. But in soccer, sure, congratulations on winning the Eastern Conference. You know what you didn't do that year? Win the Supporters Shield. You know, as somebody that that loves the European game, that has really grown to love the game because of the the way the sport is played there. I think that the Supporters' Shield is more impressive than an MLS Cup at baseline. So, go ahead. Congratulations on your MLS <laughs> Cup. Uh, you, made it, you made it to the playoffs, but um, you weren't the best team for the duration of the season. And I still think Charlotte FC can, can get that prize before Atlanta does. That would be amazing. They tried to initiate a conversation with us talking about the ticket prices, you know, and stuff like that. And people were like, oh, you haven't scored a goal yet. We did meet a few nice people. Shout out to Ashley, who was really cool, and a uh, few other people. I didn't catch their names, but it was a business trip. We were in and out of there. It, we we kind of felt like we were 
all business when, when we were in there, a little, uh, uh, as, as much as we were celebrating and having a good time. Yeah, I think they're, they're for the first time on this podcast in the history of the show, you're going to he- see a different side of me today. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like <laughs> feeling it today. Let it go. And, you know, I, I think that what's happening surrounding this club right now is something that we need to discuss, right? Well, we can talk about the historical, we can talk about the first of this, the franchise is launched. All of it has been positive, and it is still positive in my mind, right? Because we went into this project saying what? Charlotte FC was going to finish outside of the top 10 in the Eastern Conference, and our expectations were for this team to gel together, play MAR style of a football, and potentially get some young guys some really good experience. All of that is happening. So, the as Nick Kelly put it, the sky is falling crowd. Yeah. The crowd that wants to look at this squad and say, the roster isn't complete. They haven't yet got a point. That was another thing we heard from some dumb kid. Oh, you don't even have all your DPs. Who cares? Where have you been for the last two months? Yeah. yeah Clearly yeah. not listening to the Charlotte soccer yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. You know, in fact, you know, there was a point in time where I gave one of the Atlanta fans shit because I, I was insulted by this. I'm sitting there, like, in a with a Charlotte FC scarf, field level, watching the match intensely. And some guy comes up to me and goes, hey, do you know who Christian Fuchs is? <laughs> Like fuck you, man! Yeah, I have a, a little bit of an idea. Was that the the British guy? Yeah, the guy from Leicester. He's from yeah. Leicester. Like, and and I t- my answer to him was like, I, I looked at him deadpan in the face and I said, "No, who's that?" <laughs> and he and he starts to explain to me who Christian Fuchs is, and I look at him like, dude. I fucking know who Christian Fuchs is. Don't insult my intelligence. He's from Austria, apparently. That was insane. Yeah. I, didn't, I missed that. That's, that's amazing. I was actually having fun with that guy later, but I didn't realize he had pissed you off earlier. Uh, I, I, what I'm getting from you is this energy is like, we're developing with the, the article that came out uh, from Sam Stagecall that was kind of like bashing... The way that this team was uh, built. The way the team was the built. And office. then with the condescension that we've kind of felt all yeah. around us from Atlanta. Right. It's put a chip on your shoulder. It is. And it's putting, I, it's it got is. a chip on my shoulder too. I, I I need to maybe get where you, I need to get to your level as far as this chip. Yeah, because I'm I am focusing on the energy, the attitude, and what we see on the pitch, and it is balls to the wall soccer. It is intense. It is physical, and there's been one thing lacking with this squad, and it's been finishing. Mm-hmm. So let's start to have the conversation about Carol Swiderski, the designated player that we have, and whether we think that he's the guy that can lead the line for this franchise. We've got thoughts on that coming up. We have thoughts on the substitution pattern as well. It's John Hayes, Danny Brams, the Charlotte Soccer Show. We're back after this.
We're back. Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes and Danny Brams hanging out here. And Danny Brams, you've made a, made a change. I made the switch to the Queen's Crusher. Should have should have started there. My bad. It is it is a fantastic beer to drink during this podcast. What, what, kind, what type of flavor profile does the Queen's Crusher have? As I take a nice pull, I'm going to say citrus. I'm going to say citrusy IPA. Uh, I'm getting notes of lemon. I'm getting notes of wheat. But I'm getting a nice, not too hoppy, but hoppy enough to sort of overpower the sweet. You get a nice, nice feel. It's a beer fit for a queen. It absolutely is. And it's a beer that's easy to drink, too. It's not like some IPAs yeah. you have to right. just, like, go slow. And two or two or three of them might not be in your best interest. But a couple of these during, during the match, which, by the way, um, Big Ben Pub, I'm told, uh, from our... It was packed. Bartender here is was packed on Sunday, which is great news. Right, we were in Atlanta. Everybody else was here, apparently, which is awesome. Shout out to the Min City Collective for putting the bus together and getting that crew down there. They earned rave reviews from a lot of people. Atlanta's announcer, radio announcers, Atlanta fans on Twitter, everyone was shouting out how loud MCC was in that top. It was kind of lame of Atlanta to stick them up in the top corner of the stadium, away from all the action. But they they gave their hearts out. Good job, guys. Great job, and it's it's ridiculous. I mean. Away supporter sections should be in the corner, first level, not upstairs on, on, the, on the second level. But that's neither here nor there. We told you we were going to talk about the striker position. We're going to talk about Carol Swiderski, Danny Rios, who came in for him. And I think it was about the 70th minute, 67th minute. It was about 69, I think. Yeah, it was right in there. Yeah. Carol's about a 70-minute man right now as he kind of gets back to fitness. I think the whole... The layoff with the visa, whatever, has kind of... I do expect him eventually to get going 90 minutes, but... So my first take is this when it comes to the striker position. We said that Swiderski is a ball hawk, that he is good for one thing and one thing only, and that's scoring goals. And in that role, that means when you have big chances, especially two... We had, or, he had officially two big chances by Opta Statistical XG. Yes, he did. And he had a third that was pretty nice as well. All three don't turn into a goal. So from his point of view, and you could see it as he came off the pitch, you could see it in his body language when Mm -hmm. he he hit the left-footed strike and it was saved by Guzan, that he knew that there was opportunities, Mm -hmm. that he wasted, and that that is his job. And when he doesn't do his job, it's for him... It is potentially career altering, right? Right. It doesn't matter if when other you're brought guys. in as the as the number one highest paid player on this brand new team, you've got to score goals. I mean, he and you know he feels that pressure. Right. You can see it, like you mentioned, the body language. He was he actually what I really I was actually pretty happy with the whole picture because he was very dejected when he came off, not petulant, not like angry at the coach, just you know disappointed with a you know a mediocre performance. But then after the game, he was all smiles in terms of celebrating with Adam Armour. He was hugging the guys and saying, you know, he was really happy with the way the team fought. So I, was, I thought it was the perfect, uh, you know, attitude-wise from Carroll. You, you would not expect a striker to be happy when they get subbed off without scoring goals. But you also don't want someone who's sitting there sulking and it, it can't be happy for when the team does have some success. It was officially the 69th minute. Good, good pool. Nice. Um, with that. And... Um, when we, we talk about his rating for the match, he is the lowest rated player on the pitch in the starting 11 on our favorite app, SofaScore. What does that tell you? 
he had a bad game because SofaScore is going to uh, rate you way down, and Opta is going to rate you rate you way down when you have those big chances missed. We have like great opportunities from a high scoring position. He had the flicked header that was probably his best chance. That was a really good two headed chances. On. Yeah. There, there was one that I'm thinking of that I'm really surprised was not a goal, unfortunately. But that, those will count against you in the ratings big time. They will. So um, the one thing that we, we always discuss when we talk about strikers is the ability to hold up the ball. Hold up play. It's not sexy, but it's super important. And it's what, if you aren't scoring goals, what you have to do to be an impact player. Mm-hmm. And when Danny Rios yep. came into the match... Our hold-up play went from average at best to good. He became a much better target than Swiderski for the long ball ahead, which unfortunately we're, we're kind of stuck doing, even as we try to play it out of back. When a lot of times we play ourselves into a corner and just kick the long ball up. That's still happening. Rios is good when that happens because he, he fights for the ball area a little more. I still think Carroll's too skinny. I know you think you know you kind of think I'm being ridiculous with that, but Rios is a built dude, and he gets up and he fights for those aerial duels a little more. Carroll's got to adjust, regardless of what you think of his frame, he's got to adjust mentality-wise to the physicality of this league, if that makes any sense. It does. And, you know, he's coming from the Greek league, plays Polish national team, you know. Say what you will about the quality of technical play in the MLS, almost anyone uh, who watches it will salute the physicality of this league and, and compare it favorably to the top leagues in Europe in terms of what you have to do to compete for every ball. When you're standing pitch side and you're watching the match, that physicality jumps yeah, off the field. Yeah, yeah. It does. Like It's one of the first things you notice. Those battles were amazing to see and, and up close, and then we could see them even you know in the box with Swiderski, with Rios. Adam Armour won a battle and got up and scored a goal. I mean, it, it's a it's a tough, tough league. You know, it's it's not a league for quitting. I, I, I think you. It's always funny to me uh, this journey that we're kind of doing on this podcast together, John. I love because I'm you know five years into being a big time MLS fan, whereas you know you are more steeped in the traditions of Europe. You've been to Premier League games and things like that. So now you're kind of diving headfirst into MLS and like saying, I'm in. And so now you like if your perspective always intrigues me of how you sort of react as someone who clearly knows soccer and has studied soccer for years, but now you're learning this specific like subculture of the game. It's pretty cool. Yeah, every league is played differently, and it's decided based on the quality of player and the technical skills and what is emphasized. Right? You go to La Liga, and you're in, you're emphasizing technical play. You're emphasizing speed. You're emphasizing the ability to pass the ball. You go to England, probably one of the more physical leagues in in Europe. Pressure. Everything's contested. Absolutely Much more so than the other European leagues. So seeing how MLS football is played is, is, you're right, it's super intriguing to me. And as I look at these players, I think it's important for everybody to kind of reset their expectations on what they can do in the league based on those facts that we just discussed and three games in I'm willing to say that Carol Swiderski has been a little bit underwhelming I agree and by no means do I do I think that he should sit on Saturday against New England good God no <laughs> But 
I don't want Rios to come on in the 69th minute. I want him on in the 59th minute. Right. He needs a 30-minute shift. Yeah. Like, yeah, he deserves it. He almost scored against uh, LA Galaxy, you know, right at the very, very end. You know, he didn't quite get a header. He, Rios has been a threat as well, and he's, he's a very strong sub. That was a really good signing that Charlotte made right before the start of the year because if we did not have him, who would be backing up Svidersky? Nobody. Right, so it's weird to think about how the roster is being scrutinized, the front office is being scrutinized, but we're talking mm-hmm. about how we have someone who we got quickly. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, and really. The, who can fill that void? The funny that, that's thing, good front office. The funny thing that I'm behavior. finding myself is I was pretty critical of the front office, like, let's say a month ago. But then as all these other, like, outside voices started jumping in and piling on, now I'm more defensive. And I'm like, hey, well, look at the good stuff they've done. You know, they they didn't – they addressed need when they got Rios. They, and they have had some bad luck with Machis in the first time we tried to get Juice Fiat, who we'll talk about in a second. But all in all, it boils down to they're, they're doing what they have to and what they can within the framework of the system. And they're – they are learning as they go. They're not doing it the same as other MLS teams, maybe, but that's fine with me. Um, what I do think is, since you mentioned Rios, you know, might like to see him a little sooner. We saw the halftime subs, which were really great, of Armour and Athel coming in. What did you think? Let's get into a little bit of MAR's substitution patterns, his performance as a coach, and just, you know, why having someone like that gives us so much confidence and makes us you know, inspires us to drive four hours to Atlanta, you know, at the last minute to make sure we didn't miss the game. I'll start with addressing once again the idea that he was too aggressive in extra time and the team should have been settling back defending the point. I disagree with that. The game Charlotte FC took to Atlanta United in the second half was simply the better side. So if there was going to be a winner to be had, it was more likely coming from Charlotte FC than it was for Atlanta United. So I think the decision to go for the W and to not sit back and play defense for, for the extra time, just waiting for a goal to, to be put in the net by Atlanta and giving them an opportunity, I'll start there. I think that was a really great decision to go for the three points at the end. Totally agree. And I'll start with the – listen, I am a huge fan of halftime substitutions. And the See, reason- I'm not, but they worked out this time. But keep going. I think that in one of my big-time criticisms of soccer managers is they wait too long. They wait too long. And how did I describe it to you at the match? They're freebies. Right, with the extra with the five subs that we have now. Soccer is a three-sub yeah. sport. Right, and, and we're doing five this year because and, of and, the pandemic stuff. That's and MLS great. has five subs. Mm-hmm. So making those two switches at halftime when – you realize the first half wasn't exactly what you wanted and you needed to, to figure something else out formation-wise to take the game, you basically make two freebies. That's smart. And you still have the three to play with for the rest of the second half. So that comes into and, it. And Gaines needed to come off because we haven't talked about him, but he was absolutely, he was a zero in the first in the first half when he started. Yeah. We don't no, have to dwell on that. but No, yeah. no, I think, you know, there's a reason why we're talking about a winger coming in. Right. Gaines is offering no service, and and we could probably agree that that Gaines is more suited to be a striker. That's what I think. Than he than he is a wing player. Um, so Gaines coming out, I thought made sense, and TT Ortiz coming out, I thought also made sense. What did I call him in the first half? Uh, I forget. A walking 
a walking yellow, a walking red card. Yeah, because he got the yellow, and you're like, yeah, this guy's gonna get a second yellow yeah. for sure. It did get chippy a little bit at the end of the no, first half. He was a red card walking, and Mar realized that too. Mm-hmm. And he got in the 30th minute, so he was playing 15 with it, and he almost got a second in that second. Yeah. In in from between his first one and the end of the first half, he he flirted with the second for sure. He's a passionate player, but mm-hmm. he is even when he's not even on one yellow, he's still a red card walking. <laughs> Nice. So yeah, you're right. So that substitution was like a no-brainer. Yeah. Like so, he's doing the fundamentally things that are right when it comes to these substitutions. He's seeing things out on the field that we believe to be true as well. And what was also interesting was he realized, okay, TT's not really getting it done for us in the center. Bender's on the wing. I don't have a sub for TT in the center, but I can sub in Adam Armour on the wing and move Bender to the center. So he's thinking about his roster. He knows his versatility. He knows what his guys are capable of. I think that's great to see. He described Ben Bender as someone that he just could not leave out. Right, yeah. I still cannot believe that. Yeah. And it proved to be. In the, you're talking about pregame earlier this week about, yeah, like how he just, they asked him and he said, I've got to play this kid. And he was super impressive in the end uh, against LA Galaxy in the first home match. And there was no way you could not start him, I felt like, with what we are dealing with, Reina's injury and everything else going on. It was an unbelievable decision to have Bender on the pitch. And I want to be very, very careful when I talk about Ben Bender in this way. But I'll stick to what, what we talked about yesterday on the drive back, um, which was fun to do, by the way. You know, watch a match and drive back and talk about it. And um, as an aside... Maybe because of the gas prices, <laughs> but there was nobody on I-85 like both yeah, ways. Yeah. So that was yeah, awesome. It was smooth sailing. What, what a pleasant surprise that was because usually that's the road from hell and probably why I hate Atlanta so much. Um, but I was like, wow, if I'm a scout for European squads, if I'm a scout for the United States men's national team, I'm looking at that tape and I'm seeing how old he is, and I'm saying, like, how do I buy that guy? Right. What can we project out from this guy who was the number one overall pick in the draft? And he's already – I mean, it's two games. You know, it's two and a half no, games. No, I don't really. care, but, man. That was a 90-minute shift. But if you look – yeah, like, just I, – I can look back at recent picks, number one overall picks in the MLS Super Draft, right? Uh, Austin chose Daniel Pereira, who's a center defensive mid, who's been okay for them, but is probably going to find himself out of the starting lineup soon enough. Cincinnati took Frankie Amaya, who was such a head case and such a crazy little, you know, entitled kid that he played himself completely out of the lineup in Cincinnati and got traded to New York. We so that's two blown number one overall picks uh, of recent expansion teams. We got to be pretty encouraged ourselves the way with what we found in Bender. Yeah, uh, com- yeah, compared against that example, uh, front office isn't building a squad like other MLS teams do, but they yeah. know how to fucking draft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. What about that? Yep. I mean, it's a great draft pick. The kid comes on and plays 90 minutes against one of the more established teams in the league. Yep. And is I, arguably the best player on the field. He has uh, the assist, other, other big-time chances created. Uh, couldn't take your eyes off him. Can't say enough about him. And I want to be very clear about his size. His size is amazing. Like, I don't know what he's listed as, 
but he plays like he's 6'3". Yeah, he's live, if, if you allow me a vocabulary word there. He's just long and just moves so smooth. So, because of that length, he's really good in defensive midfield as well. Right, he was tracking back. He was covering for Fuchs a lot. You, know, you mentioned that, I remember. Like, Fuchs was taking risks at fullback, and you know uh, he did end up running out of steam in the end. He got beat on the final goal, and he was given his all. And part of the reason he was allowed to do that was Bender was dropping back, even as a winger, he would drop back in defensive coverage to allow Fuchs to go up. Exactly. So when, when we're going into the match on Saturday, this is where we're at. Ben Bender will be starting, and he will be our creative midfield player. That's how this team operates from this day moving forward. This is something to think about. We don't have to address it till the till an episode later this week. But would you start Bender over Ortiz? What? Yes. Ortiz has history with Miguel Angel, and I get it. And we brought him in. I, I believe he's on the international slot. No, he's it, not a DP. Let me interrupt though. you. He's let, not a let DP. Me, let me interrupt you <laughs> and tell you that yes, Ben Bender is now in the starting eleven every single match, and Titi Ortiz and Alan Franco are battling for that other midfield position. That's how this works now. And by the way, I like Franco more than I like TT. And if I'm going to give you a hot take, three matches into the season, is that TT Ortiz doesn't have what it takes to play in the MLS. Yeah. I mean, he didn't seem to have what it took to play in Liga MX either. When he, you know, he was all right for Tijuana, but he was never great, and he got shipped out. And, again, he can't go full 90 minutes. So, right now, what's he giving us? And it's not like we're playing midweek. Other than, other than a great nickname. <laughs> yeah, he does have a great nickname. It's not like we're playing midweek games, right? Right. If we're playing midweek games, and he's, he's an unbelievable resource. Yeah. But if you're playing one game a week, like, he is a bench player now. He's someone that you can bring on. Right. For Franco. Right. If you want to have more offense late in the game, take right. off a more defensive-minded midfield player in Franco. And bringing on T.T. Ortiz in that role alongside Bender for that last 30-minute push. Yep. I'd prefer that over him starting. It's an interesting take. We'll, we'll have to dig a little more into that uh, later this week. But Franco is my guy. I've, I've highly praised Franco so far in this he's podcast. He's a workhorse. He's, he's, he's been a little uh, invisible the last two matches. And I think it's because he's like he doesn't work well with Ortiz, like you said. you know, The two of them are oftentimes trying to do the same thing and getting in each other's way. So that's a problem. Yeah, and that, they're the same player, and that's why yeah. they're fighting for their spot against one another. Yep. Bender doesn't do any of the same things that those two guys do. Right. He's roaming left to right, getting in the center, tracking back on defense. Ortiz, I don't know. Ortiz doesn't really get back behind past the, the center circle, really, you know, when he's when he's going back very often. So I'd have to check his heat map, but is there anybody else you want to mention before we, we wrap up our discussion about player ratings? Jalen Lindsay had a good game. Lindsay was great. I do. I, I have a lot to say about Lindsay post-game, so I don't know if we want to wait on that for a second. Yeah, but, let's wait on that. Uh, Bronico was great. I have more to say on him post-game as well. McCoon didn't have it. Carujo was dependable as always. Fuchs gave every single thing he had and, and unfortunately got beat at the final goal. It's, Dude, it's sad to see. Speaking but. of Carujo... I cannot believe that the way this franchise has started in seminal moments, the VAR decision takes the, the first goal away, mm-hmm. and the FS1 announcer can't get the name <laughs> right on the first goal. Horrible. Horrible. I saw, the, I saw that highlight. 
He's like, Guzman Carujo for Charlotte FC. But no. No, bro. No. And he didn't even correct it. He right. just, like, let it sit there. Yeah. It was like, was there yeah. anybody in the booth with him being like, armor? I mean, armor. the camera the camera operators were all over armor. They, they, they weren't fooled. So, I don't know. It could have been, like, the spotter in the booth. Who knows? I, you know, I, I don't want to comment without really knowing what was going on in that moment. But it was a bad call. And I do think that just in general if you if you say something wrong as a sports announcer you should just correct yourself you sound a lot better if you do that totally think about it from this point of view that's the first goal in club history right and they cannot use the call to put on any video ever right that's a great point yeah every like highlight edit and montage and things like that that will be edited for years to come has got to use the radio call from WFNZ Bender approaches on the left side corner into the area, headed in, If you think about all the edits, all the montages and things that will be done in history of Charlotte FC to look back at this historic moment, it's always going to be the w WFNZ radio call, which was just like, I don't know, I, is this, a, this is an adult podcast? We could say almost orgasmic. I mean, this guy was like just flipping out, like going nuts. And the, the analysis of how it all was put together was great after the fact. And, and yeah. shout out to the WFNZ team. They're doing a great job. And we, we've enjoyed their work so far on these broadcasts. We've been to every game. So we're not necessarily taking these games in live, but we take in all the content afterwards. And they're doing a great job. They, they certainly are. Um, you heard Danny Brands mention that we wanted to talk about our post-game experience as well. We're going to bring that to you next. And remember to follow us on Twitter, at John Hayes on Air, at Danny Brams. You can find us there, interact with us. And please leave a rating and review for the show. We're racking up the five-star ratings. We really appreciate it. A lot of people are listening to the show more than, honestly, my wildest expectations for this fun passion project Danny and I are both doing. So, so thanks so much for being a part of this club and, and letting us tell the story of Charlotte FC for this inaugural season. So we're back after this with some post-game thoughts. we got some fun storytelling about our boy Bronny Bro. Who, by the way, he loves that nickname. You can see on his face. I'll tell you why that's next. All right, we're back quickly before we get out of here. And we're going to have another episode later this week previewing this weekend's match. 7 p.m. kick against New England Revolution. It's going to be tough. It's a tough match, and the, and the tough matches keep on coming. We go again. That's we our theme again. here. Yep. We go again, and this team will. And that's they did lose. They did lose last week in a crazy snow game, so who knows what kind of mindset they'll be in. That game's this Saturday, 7 o'clock at Bank of America Stadium. The following week as well at home against FC Cincinnati. That's a 5 p.m. kick. The weather is starting to turn. Guaranteed win, by the way. I'll go out two weeks early and say that, but keep going. So we're going to be home for two weeks, and the team's going to be here for two weeks. 
practicing, mm -hmm. getting their act together. I think there's a good chance that we get two wins in the next two weeks. Uh, beating the Revs will be tough, but I guarantee we'll beat Cincinnati. By, the only question will be if we get multiple goals a margin or not. I'm 100% sure. Take it to the blood bank guarantee. <laughs> I love to hear that. Um, so before we get revs out, will be tough. Revs will be tough. And they will be tough, but it's at home, and this team is feeling good about itself even in a loss, and I like that. So the energy and the momentum is going to build. This team wants a W. I think that there's a motivational edge heading into this matchup because Charlotte FC didn't get that point on Saturday against Atlanta. There'll be a sense of hyper mm -hmm. focus this week in practice, in training, at camp, watching film, understanding that they're just so very close to having a dream start to the season. Just have, have quite frankly, been unlucky. So we're going to get into mm -hmm. all of that uh, later in the week. But first, let's do some post-game storytelling, right? We were in the building uh, for as long field. as possible. It was great. After yeah. the match. Yeah, we, yeah, we did not. We, we were some of the last people out of the stadium, I feel, for sure. And that's because we had such great access and we were down there and we just happened to be in the corner where the players were coming to salute. You know, you saw uh, Jalen and Armour and Bronny Bro go over and, and salute the Mint City Collective up in the corner. And a few folks came down and were throwing down scarves. They were signing scarves and taking selfies and stuff like that and throwing it back up. It was awesome to see. Those guys have such great connection with the fans. And then, to our great benefit, they would have to walk right back past us uh, from that corner to get to their locker room. And so we got to see all those guys walk by. And one of the sweetest moments was when we started, you know, I was yelling, I was holding up my scarf, and I was trying to get these guys' attention, and we just, we both started yelling, Bronny bro, Bronny bro, and uh, <laughs> uh, and he looked over and acknowledged oh, us and like, smiled and gave we're, us the We're literally up. like 10 yards away from it at this point. It's yeah. like, we're not like yelling across the field. We're just like, Bronny bro, what's up, bro? Yeah. And he's like looking at us, and like he literally was like, oh shit, these guys are calling me Bronny bro. Right. It's fucking funny. Right, yeah, um, because that's his, his Instagram handle. I, might, I think it's his yes. Twitter handle also. Yeah. And, like, I've seen some people the fan base calling him Bronco, you know, because he's, like, a defensive guy, and he sound, Bronco no. sounds like Bronco. It's Brawny Bro. Brawny Bro, not Bronco. Come on, people. Yeah. He, he loves the Brawny Bro nickname. He, he self-named himself Brawny Bro. you got to respect it. So, just, just wanted to be honest with everybody about how classy the players were post-match. Like, that's what I think the important takeaway here that you might not know or might not have seen, but these players were unbelievably classy we we said to Miguel Angel great effort he looked us in the eye mm -hmm. gave us a thumbs up mm -hmm. acknowledged Incredible our presence moment. there yeah right and Jalen Lindsay comes over to right to our area literally three feet away from three us. feet away easily yeah and what does he say he goes where's the birthday boy yep and and some little young young VIP walked up his family was there with him and some like eight-year-old kid nine-year-old kid and Jalen took like 20 minutes with him and just started talking to him about his birthday, asked him if he played on a soccer team. The kid was a goalkeeper, I think. And Jalen was like, oh, well, I'm your best friend then. You know, I, you know, I keep the ball from getting to you and stuff like that. So gave him a jersey for his birthday. And, like, he didn't have to do that. It was 30 minutes after the game ended. And, like, he had walked over and signed, like, 20 scarves for fans that threw him down and threw him back up. He's tired. And he still walked over, gave away his jersey to a little kid who was having a birthday right next to us I took a picture I was like blown away I told I said Jalen you're the heart and soul of this team man because he's just been so awesome he has and you know if, if you'd allow me to just get on my high horse for a minute and speak directly to the fans what I want to really convey is like, these players have of course intrinsic motivation to go out there 
and perform well. This is their job, this is their career, this is their life. And they're committed to that goal. But it makes it a lot easier for them when they feel supported. And to know that this team is 0-3 with, quite frankly, three heartbreaking losses to get applauded off the field, yep. for them to see the away support, get your ass to Bank of America Stadium on Saturday. Because I promise you, this team will go as far as we go with it. The reason why I'm obsessed with soccer, the reason why I believe in this sport so much, and I believe in the connection between... What did I say in the trailer? I said soccer is for the fans. Mm -hmm. This club understands that. The players know that. And the energy that we can bring to this program is not coming from anywhere else. The only other place that it's going to come from is Miguel Angel. But he can't do it by himself. Right. He can't do it by himself. He needs people to support and that's why being a supporter of Charlotte FC is different than being a Carolina Panthers fan. Right. It's not the same fucking thing. Right. It's not the same sport. So, keep soccer that in needs mind. The fans. I mean, so you saw during the pandemic so uh, all this soccer that was played in empty stadiums was empty, lifeless, devoid of, of anything that really gives you a uh, spark of passion about the sport and uh Charlotte FC supporters have done great. I don't think you're necessarily trying to call them out for things they haven't done, but I think you and I are both a little bit worried that after you set this attendance record of having the most fans ever at a game, you know you don't want to you don't want to see a drop off. You just don't want to see a drop off, and you need we need we're not going to have 74 at the next game. The upper bowl is going to be closed, but we need to fill the lower bowl for sure. Yes, and I, I think that we're going to do that, especially if it's a nice night on Saturday. And I appreciate you letting me get on my high horse about that oh, because. I believe that truthfully, and, and what you're going to hear from me on the show is like my honest thoughts straight from the heart. And I just love the sport because of that. And we have the opportunity to lift this, this franchise up, unlike the Hornets have been lifted up, unlike the Panthers have been lifted up. And yeah, the Panthers have had some good seasons, but they've never had back-to-back well, -back Everybody, -back everybody loves season. the Panthers when they're winning. Every, this town goes crazy when the Panthers are winning, but when the, the last few years it's been devoid of almost anything we can't allow that to happen to Charlotte no, FC. it can't happen to Charlotte FC because if it does um, this club will like many many MLS clubs that came before it fade into the oblivion and register nothing on the Richter scale so if you're out there listening to this show and you enjoy the sport and you're having fun with the club I promise you these players are not taking it for granted there's there's no doubt about that so we're going to come back later in the week, Might and well. we're going to talk about this New England match. I want to get to know the squad. You know the New England squad really well. Yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm terrified of some of their players. So yeah, <laughs> and also really excited to see beautiful soccer by them played in person. So we'll see. Yeah. So at least we we we've got them coming to town. And remember, yeah. uh, you've got a great opportunity to see some of the best players in the world come to Charlotte as well. So with that, Danny Brams, uh, cheers to you. Cheers to another great edition of this show. And I'll talk to you later this week. For the crown, baby. <laughs>